All right, everybody, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Lockdown Red Wings. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi, here today with Boring Ethan to celebrate what turned out to be not not bad of a Red Wings weekend. They win on Sunday, uh, 3-1 to over the Boston Bruins at home on national television. Uh, got the doors blown off them on Friday night against Columbus, but uh, we don't have to talk about that too much because the most recent thing that happened to the Red Wings is a victory. Uh, Anthony CU scored two goals. Brendan Perlini got his first of the season. Just a really weird, strange, good, happy day in Detroit. Uh, we are recording this on Monday, so it's a little bit late, but uh, we try to record remotely on Sunday night. We were in different locations, but the audio just wasn't there and uh, decided to wait until we were back together in studio on Monday to knock it out. So, Ethan, welcome. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. How's your weekend? It was great. I actually had a great weekend. I had to work Saturday, but, you know, still had Saturday night and all day Sunday. That's good. Nice, relaxing weekend. Got to see a win. That's another against the best team in the league. Against the league-leading Boston Bruins, right? And, uh... So, oh, by the way, by the way, I was thinking with my heart when I said that they would beat Columbus. Um, that I, I mean, obviously it didn't happen, but I mean, yeah, they beat Boston, so yeah, no. And I think you had like uh, I think your line of thinking for why they would win on Friday translates to Sunday because you know, I we both said on Friday's episode that we thought the Boston game was going to be a slaughter fest. Well, I said slaughter fest, you said slaughter fest was a bit harsh. But, uh, you know, it was one of those games where you're driving into the rink and it's early, it's like 1030, and you just kind of thinking to yourself, it's a weird day. I feel like the Red Wings have a chance, and they have played the well. Sun, the sun is a little bit brighter today. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, everybody's smiling just a little bit more. I said hi to like three strangers in Walmart earlier. Yeah. Uh, the, the city is alive, if you will. But, uh, no, I mean, I don't really necessarily know that I can say that I... <clears throat> Felt like they were going to win this game once it began, but I mean, if you look at their performance against teams like Pittsburgh, whenever they come into town, Detroit always plays them tough. They, they always seem to play those big teams tough at home, and I don't know if it's a result of maybe the the opposing teams taking them lightly, or maybe overlooking them, or or whatever it may be. But yeah, the Wings got it done. It's just crazy to think that they have three wins against Montreal too. On yeah, top. and even though Montreal is five hundred, but I mean. Well, they're five and zero against Boston and Montreal this season, and have beaten Boston <laughs> five straight games. Whoa! So, uh, I guess no positive. complaints, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some positives. Yeah, the the silver linings. Um, we are going to get into that game in just a little bit, but first we have to start this show uh, with the way we do every Monday, and that is with the first star since the first show of last week. And uh, this week it's pretty easy. Jonathan Bernier, he made his return last Saturday in New York. Played three games uh, from Monday to Sunday. The Wings were two and one in that span and got shut out in two of those games, or sorry, two and two in that span uh, and got shut out in two of those games. Uh, with Jonathan Bernier in net for three of them in those three games, the Wings were two and one. Uh, he had a 9.41 save percentage with just two goals against average against him. So I mean, uh, no brainer, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, numbers don't lie. It's nice to see him playing well. It's not. I mean, having that having that backbone to really to where you don't have to necessarily worry worry about you know how Howard was playing earlier in the year. It's nice to have a solid number one guy. Like I mean, like Howard was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's 
gotten, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Jonathan Bernier simply because we've been kind of debating his trade value uh, over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, I'm convinced that he might be maybe the best goaltender in hockey history because in his last 13 games, he's got a uh, goals against average of just 1.85 and uh, 940 save percentage. That's pretty incredible. I mean, yeah, him and what Elvis Merzlinkis, the Latvian god of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I mean, they're both incredibly high. I mean, same with Tristan Jari in, in Pittsburgh. They're both, all three of them are playing unbelievably right now. Yeah, and it's especially impressive from Bernier because uh, <clears throat> you just look at how he started the season. Uh, well, I mean, there's, it's impressive for two reasons. Because, one, in the first 19 games of the season, he's save percentage is 888. He's given up 3.16 goals in that span. He's 5-9-2. And, two, and uh, now playing in front of, I mean, he was playing in front of his team. Or this team was playing in front of him all season. But, you know, the worst team possibly in the salary cap era and he's posting those types of numbers in the midst of what is you know proving to be another awful awful run one of the worst and really it's I mean when you're getting that amount of shots and if you can get yourself in a groove it I mean you really just have to it's a mindset in terms of just do your do what you can do I wonder if uh I mean if there's any I don't want to say benefit, but like there's, I think that there's probably something to the fact that he is, that this team is playing in front of him and he knows how much he has to bring it every single night. And so I wonder how much that is like playing into, you know, just how he's elevated his game over the last 13 games, because I mean, there really is no other explanation for it. This is one of the worst teams ever getting, you know, just an crazy impressive streak of goaltending and those two just don't seem to correlate in any way so I mean you have to think that this is all a result of Bernier simply taking his game to the next level I would love to know how because you know you've heard like Nathan McKinnon going as sports psychologist like Flurry's very popular for that I would mm-hmm. love to know if there was something that he found throughout this year that has helped him regain his footing and really has taken him to probably the best hockey that he's ever played in his career. So that was actually something that was discussed yesterday uh, in the post game, both with Jonathan Bernier and head coach Jeff Blaschel, where reporters asked, you know, what do you attribute this turnaround to? And both the coach and the goalie both said, you know, it's nothing, it was nothing technical. It was nothing really like nothing really concrete that he did. He just kind of, he said he just kind of stuck with it, continued to work. And once he found his groove, he, he started to build that confidence. And Blashill talks about it a lot, how much confidence plays a factor in just getting things going. What is that like? You know, do you think when you're in the NHL and you're playing in front of a team or this team is playing in front of you, I keep making that mistake. Uh, <clears throat> and you start to you start to have one good game, then two good games, then three good games, and you know you're going to face forty shots every night. It's almost like you can't breathe, but maybe in a good way. From what I've read um, about goaltending mentality in the NHL, it's like Hope Braden Hope was very popular was really popular for saying like I can't control what's going to happen in the future. It's just my job to live in the moment and stop this next shot, mm-hmm. and I can't control anything in the past. So he forgets about that. Yeah. So it's, it's especially when you're getting that many shots and you can make some saves, just like you said, and like Bernier said, it's just like, hey, I'm just going to keep rolling with this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to even like go even further, like 
the, <clears throat> the Jeff Blashill said another thing that has been really impressed him lately is the way he's anticipating. You see, like yep. you're getting a lot of crossing passes that he's over the like he's there before the shot even gets off and he's ready to make the save yep. as if that puck was there to begin with. I think that to me has been the most impressive part and you saw it a little bit uh on the 5 on 3 to open the in the first period against Boston yesterday where Marshawn had three really good looks on pucks and yep. went right across the crease and he came up big every single time. The fascinating thing too is that he's not that big of a goalie. He's only 5'10". Yeah. And in in NHL where it's there's still in the size, goalies have to be, you know, six foot, six to six three. I mean, Bishop's six seven. Mm-hmm. And these guys are are relying on how big they are. For him to be able to track pucks as well as he is and to be able to anticipate where people are going and how this play is going to develop, it's ju- it's really just been so fun to watch him play, him play just by himself. And I mean, that like the fact that he's 5'10", I think, is really probably would come as a surprise to most people because I feel like he plays super big mm-hmm. in the net. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't have like goalies that are bigger don't have to rely on movement so much. Mm-hmm. And when you watch Bernier play too, he has a really tight when he's standing up in his stance. He, it's a really tight stance. Like he's not, you know, his arms aren't that far. He's he's everything's really tight. Yeah. So when he's moving side to side, it, he's he's moving in a way that it, it's not really opening up holes. And his head movement is just has been really impeccable in the second half of this season. Just being able to watch him watching where how the plays are developing on those backdoor passes that he's robbing on one timers and stuff too. Like you very rarely see that in the NHL. Well, that is the exact reason uh, why we brought you on to the show, Boring Ethan. That was excellent Woo! analysis there. We do want to jump into the game because there is quite a uh, few things to talk about from that. Now the Red Wings, by and large, I thought got outplayed in this one Boston I thought really controlled the pace pushed the play uh they had doubled up the Red Wings on shots they had 40 Bernier stopped 39 but Perlini gets his first of the season Athanasiu snaps a 20 game goal drought uh with two I mean it was just a just a weird game all around that it makes sense that the Red Wings came out on top because of just the the amount of infrequent is that a word infrequent uh you know things that happened yeah, it's and plus two like that when in a, on a team that's being shut out and being held to under two goals regularly throughout the year, to get those goals from Perlini and Anthony was first and you said eight was it eighteen? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. To get his first and twenty, like that's those that's what you need, obviously, to win games is yeah. goals mm-hmm. from people that aren't in your top six. Yeah. Basically. Well, that's, in you know, especially for guys who've been struggling. Like that, you talk so much about momentum, and it feels like Red Wings have been a victim of momentum all season long because they'll look good, look good, look good, and then all of a sudden it's one breakdown of the defensive zone that, you know, oop, backdoor pass, other team goes up one nothing, 2 nothing, whatever it may be. And so I think that those are two just really good, like, morale boosters on the bench. In the beginning of that third period... When we're up one nothing and they score thirty seconds in, I'm like, all right, this is how it's yeah. this is how it's gonna oh, be. Saw that one coming, and it was such a weird play too. Like, Glenn Denning gets high stick by Pasternak, he's down on the ice. Larkin looks to just flip the puck into the neutral zone to maybe try and break the play. At least that's what it looked like. And uh, next thing you know, Boston's coming the other way. Pasternak feeds Tory Krug, Michigan State boy. Homegrown boy. He's coming home this summer, no? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, we're just joking about that. I hope he doesn't. No That's, guarantees. Yeah. Uh, but, 
No, I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's one one to one, and it's like that's a goal that would only like, of course, that would happen to the Red Wings in that fashion. And so, I don't know. It whenever things go wrong for this team, you always just say, "Oh yeah, I knew it," but like that was a true, true case of that. I'm just happy that they were able to rebound from that, and it wasn't like, oh, another goal scored a minute later. Yeah, because that's what usually happens. And then next thing you know, it's 3-1 to one by the 10-minute mark in the period, but they stuck with it. And I think if there's anything to you know, give this team credit for throughout the year, it's that they haven't given up in a lot of games. Like Maybe the, they're not necessarily making plays, but the, the top guys, you know, you can tell the efforts there. And on that power play goal by Athanasiu with, I think it was about seven minutes left, I mean, that was just a great effort by Larkin to corral the puck in the corner, kick it out to Bertuzzi. Uh, great feed by Bert, and uh, Athanasiu finished. And, I mean, you just don't see bang, bang, bang plays like that for the Red Wings that often. So it was just a my, really good My goal. jaw hit the floor when that happened. Yeah, right when they made two... Good Ooh, passes in a row, and Ooh, then, baby. dude, I I feel bad because we've been ripping on Justin Applicator a lot on this podcast, but he uh he had like a I think it was a two on one. I can't remember who he was with. I want to say it was maybe Fabry, but I might be making that up. But he got a feed like nobody around him, tape to tape, with uh, Rask just way out of position, and he just whiffed on it. <laughs> Like, it was a shirt, like, he had 80, 70% of the goal to shoot at, just whoop, whiffed. Four more years of that, baby. Four more, yeah, at a pretty good price tag, too. Um, 4.25 million. Well, at least they can't trade him. Yeah, right, I mean, he's got the A. You know, he's, he's good yeah, he's good a, in the locker room. Yeah, a morale guy. Yes, exactly. That's uh, what we need here. <laughs> and then Perlini, I thought, you know, the, the first goal... Uh, you know, his first goal of the season, I thought that was kind of a beauty too. He picked up the puck in the neutral zone, weaved his way through a couple guys, fired low, glove side, on Rask, just a good shot. Uh, after the game, he told reporters that, you know, lately he's been trying to maybe pick his spots a little too much, and that is what gets him in trouble sometimes. He came into this game with 38 shots on goal. So, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of trying, but, uh, I mean, however he did it, Good to see him get one, but, you know, especially happy for him that it was kind of a beauty. Like you saying, too, like he's almost been picking his shots, like he said. Like it it was an odd shot, too. Like mm-hmm. low glove glove side when yeah. he's cutting across, like shooting the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Like that's an odd shot, and yeah. it's not something you see going go in a lot. Yeah, far and, side. And choke, like it, you especially just don't on Tuka Rask. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was just yeah, <laughs> one of the many, many... Okay. Sometimes Thanks. you get the bounces. Yeah, sometimes you get the bounces. Yeah, it, it's just, oh, man. I would have uh, loved to have been in that Boston locker room after the game. and just been like, guys, I what just happened? Even, I bet they, like, that loss probably didn't even register for them. Like, I don't think that that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, I feel like Boston is the best team in the league. They yeah. have that distinction by, like, I don't know, four points, six points, something like that. Like, who cares about some? It was a noon game in Detroit. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> they Halfway through the year, they they're, didn't even they didn't even send Pierre Maguire. That's how they're first place in the league, and they're just like, yeah, we're yeah, we'll go play. Tonight. Yeah. By the way, I cannot. I saw like three sticks break today, and I cannot think of a broken stick now without thinking about the coronavirus. I think ESPN put something out, like an article about that today 
talking about how there's no sticks and they're like NHL players go through like five six sticks a game sometimes and it's like where are these sticks gonna come from and then I started thinking about like hey what if they start having to go to like back to like two pieces and yeah wouldn't like I was I was imagining like the NHL playoffs with with the virus being like three times as bad as it is right now and they're using like Sherwood sticks (laughs) Or they have to go, like, you see Eastern NHL... Synergy? Yeah, you see, like, NHL players going to, like, Dunham's. Yeah. Well, so or, that's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> they like, you the are... mice, my, the like, plastic sticks that you can bend the blade. Yeah. And NHL's like, we don't have any other sticks, I don't know what to do. You're in Piranis, you're like, is that Christopher N? <laughs> <laughs> the, equipment, the equipment managers are like, D- I do, like... We can go, but, like, I can't go to, like, 12 different stores for all you guys. Some of you guys are going to have to go get your own sticks. I know, and that's the thing, too, is, like, they're not going to run out of sticks. They're just going to run out of super high, specifically crafted sticks. Like, they'll be fine. Right. And I'm pretty, I I mean, I have no idea. What a non-story that is. I know. Like, (laughs) they're going to run out of shin pads. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Oh, man. NHL is fun. I mean, like, I wonder what the difference would be to, like, go, like, as an NHL player, what the difference would be from going to, like, using your stick to just, like, using a pro stock. Like, you go to the rack at Dick Sporting Goods and pull off, like, a Madonna curve. <laughs> you know? I, like, go, yeah, go to, like, Piranis or something like that, and, like, you get a stick that's, like, I have a, I have a player stick that's, like, 75 bucks or something like that. Just some really cheap stick that if you really wanted to, you can just snap it. Oh, easy, yeah. And it's just, like, Larkin buys, like, 15 of them, and he goes, yeah, I guess this is what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> All they got is the Backstrom curve. How about just, hey, hey, Bauer, how about you start manufacturing some stuff in Canada again? Oh, man. Bring bring jobs back to North America. That's right. I think that's the real story out of all of this. Make start making hockey sticks in North America. Oh man, sorry, <laughs> not a political podcast. Uh, so I mean, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much all that we need to really talk about for this one. Gustav Lindstrom did get. Uh, I saw him play in person yesterday for the first time. I thought he looked really, really good. Uh, he's just one of those guys that like. He's exactly what you want out of that type of defenseman where if you're not watching him directly, you don't really notice that he's out there. I mean, I'm not really – I'm not expecting anything from him. He did look good. No, yeah. You and know, I, like, it, I'm just like, – it's kind of like a, a test period to see. Like, I want Cider to come up for nine games this year. I'd love for that to happen at the end of the year. And he had – our boy Cider had a big weekend Old in Grand Oh, baby, Rapids. did he, he. He was laying hits. He was getting in fights. He was – Staring people down, yeah, I love it. You see him in the, he, he was in the penalty box, and, you know, say say hello to your mother for me, and dude, you know all those other words. That kid's got some swagger. I know, I'm really excited. Dude. I'm really excited to see him in a couple of years. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a fan favorite for sure. Oh, I can't wait. Maybe he's the next captain. I need now the future. I need the future. <laughs> Can we? I need a time machine. Just like take you to LCA in like three years in April. Yeah. Man, that's what's depressing. Is like the game yesterday like there was a point there was a like four or five years ago like that's a big game nbc or you know boston coming in to play at noon 30 on nbc in february that's a big game yeah like for the red wings my whole life up until recently yeah smacks you in the face um we're getting older (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it for this one. Uh, we're not even going to go over the Columbus game because, I mean, they got we're, they were getting outshot 31-9. to nine Yeah, don't the, want don't want it. Yeah. Uh, shout out Jimmy Howard, though. Yeah. I mean, he only gave up, what, two goals? Not his fault. Two goals, one goal? I don't know. Uh, another good performance from him. So, you know, kudos to you, Jimmy. The last bit of uh, business we got to attend to today is there have been some injury updates uh, kind of with the Red Wings. Anthony Mantha telling reporters on Monday that he will play or that he expects to play at least uh, in the game on Tuesday against Buffalo. Uh, Mantha obviously having missed a significant amount of time, uh, bruising or breaking some ribs, I think. Uh, I think it was breaking some ribs in the, in that scrap with Jake Muzzin way punctured back on December lungs, 21st. Yeah, punctured his lungs. They splintered the ribs, punctured his lungs. We talked about this. Uh, somehow didn't die. So Red Wings were getting him back. What do you uh, What do you hope to see from him? Just what he was doing before. I want him to. I want him to keep doing exactly what he's doing. Stick up for himself and his teammates. Scoring some goals, one timers from the blue line. I just please keep doing what you're doing. Give us some more goals. And in true Red Wings fashion, when one guy comes back, another guy goes out. Robbie Fabry. Leaving Sunday's game in the second period with an upper body injury, he kind of got uh, a little bit crunched by Boston's Chris Wagner and Par Lindholm. Uh, Blashill didn't have an update for him after the game, just said he knew he wasn't going to be able to come back. Uh, but per Ansar Khan of MLive, it looks like he was out there uh, skating in an optional practice today. So that is good news. Hopefully he'll be in the lineup for tomorrow's game against Buffalo because one thing that I was really interested to see is, like, I wonder, you know, what are these line pairings going to look like? Because for much of the last few weeks and months when everybody's been hurt, you know, these line combos, there's zero depth to them. So I was interested to see, you know, where, where are they going to put in uh, Mantha if, if Fabry and Larkin are playing together on that first line? Uh, obviously, he probably would have moved up and uh, taken Glenn Denning's spot. But uh, I don't know. It would have been nice to see, like, any combination of, like, Fabry, Larkin, and you know, Mantha or yeah. just, I would, I would have loved to see the added depth that they got from that. So hopefully Robbie Fabry comes back tomorrow because he is, you know, obviously the prized, the crown jewel of uh, Steve Eiserman's tenure as GM so far had one point in nine games with St. Louis to start the year. Then uh, since coming over in that trade for Jacob De La Rose has 11 goals and 16 assists. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and, and see what happens with that going forward. But uh, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Anything else to uh, comment on that Red Wings game from, from the other day or from yesterday? Nope, just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Wait. Uh, keep we'll it rolling be... right to the trade deadline, <laughs> baby. Yeah, Athens to see raising that trade stock on national television. There we go. There we go. Uh, Scouts are watching. They are. And we hope that you'll be listening here tomorrow at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast like we do it every day here at the Lockdown Network. My name is Nolan Bianchi. You can find me on Twitter at Nolan Bianchi. Follow us on Twitter, this here podcast, at LO underscore Red Wings. Uh, Ethan, do you want to tell the people where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah. My Twitter is Ethan Smith. You change the... At gmail.com. <laughs> it might as well be. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be on a podcast, so it was kind of just like, you know, hey, this is... Change up, change up the name. There we go. E-T-H-A-M-S-N-I-T-H. Follow me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Tweet a lot about sports. Be sure to rate, review, <laughs> subscribe, do all that other good stuff uh, for us here. If you do like the show, uh, have any questions, comments, feedback, 
we want to, we want your voice to be a part of this too. So feel free to uh, message us on Twitter, tweet at us, uh, engage, and uh, we look forward to talking to you both online and then tomorrow right here, same place every day. Take it easy.